races Cause on the 9th of June 1862 On a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberg's And she was heavy laden The way we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, episode 76. I am your host, Greg Troxell, and we have one little episode for you today. You can follow me at NUFC underscore Greg for all your hottest Newcastle youth team takes and regular arguments I like to join in on. But without further ado, I bring you the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. And co-host whose whose team is finally back where we belong in, in the MLS first place in in the east Atlanta United ladies and gentlemen uh you can clap now unless you're driving please do not clap please keep both hands on the steering wheel yes you can follow me and my uh five stripes after dark tweeting um at on the twitters at Elijah underscore Newsom. I'm excited to be here you know um I'm glad to be alive we got a we got a, we got a fun pod today. Yeah, it's not going to be as as boring and doom and gloom as people may think. We've learned from the past, and so we're just going to stay positive, somewhat, I guess. Um, and on that positive note, we have Chris Woff joining us today. Oh, yes, who's that? Chris Woff from the Athletic, former Chronicle oh. writer, the best of the best. Uh, actually, a colleague of Rafa Benitez. Mm. It's almost like we've been mentioning the athletic the past three episodes <laughs> in some sort of build up yeah. to a moment. Yeah. And this might be that moment. So Chris is gonna chat with us about the Norwich match. He was there. It was we talked a lot about tactics. Um Yeah, it's it's a, it's a actually good good conversation. So that will come up a little bit later once we dive into the match. Speaking of the match, Elijah, oh my, mm. that was nasty. That was ugly. Yeah. That was gross. That was one of the worst. It was bad. It was pretty brutal. I went to Waffle House for the second half of the match. Oh, they don't, they so. don't have TVs at Waffle House. And, yeah, I mean, that's why I went. <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty bad. I, uh, I, I was like, there's many times during that match where I was like, I can literally just, just change the channel. Like, I can just, I mean, I can just shut the laptop down, like. I could literally just do that, but for some torturous reason, I continued on. Yeah, and I feel bad for people like Graham, like Chris, and I guess some of the the lads at True Faith who had to all of the supporters that were live. Yeah, that was. Well, we're thoughts and prayers. Tough ask. (laughs) That was tough. That that was tough. Um, So we'll get. But at least our tweets were fire. Our tweets were fire. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, always. Of course. And if you don't follow us on Twitter, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. The at CHN underscore radio and at coming home MDFC, mm-hmm. you got to follow those accounts. Yep. It's, it's mandatory. Um, it's mandatory. And I don't know if you noticed, but we did, uh, Elijah and I did vote CHN radio as the best podcast for coming home Newcastle. So, oh, yeah. It was a very contentious election. It was unanimous. Um, it was unanimous. <laughs> we ended up winning. Uh, we voted. 
Um, pretty much, we were the only people that voted, yeah. and we won. So, okay. uh, good on yeah, us. And maybe us. you could have voted if you followed us on Twitter. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, all right, so let's move to some club news. We have some – there wasn't a lot going on this week, but we did have our Danish prince did appear in the news. Elias Sorensen mm. was sent out on loan to League Two side Carlisle United. Uh, so that will be interesting. If you remember last year, he was sent to Blackpool and didn't play. So that will be interesting to see how he does. He's already played more minutes at Carlisle than he did at Blackpool last year. He came on as a yeah. as a sub in the 56th minute. They lost 2-0, um, but he played. So Shola. That's, that's a win. <laughs> Shola making moves. Um, the other player that was sent on loan is Kellen Watts. Kellen is actually a pretty promising defender. He's also got sent to lead two to Stevenage. Stevenage? I can't remember. I think it's Stevenage. Um, and they, and, and Kellen started to play the full 90 in a match against Lake Norian uh, with the goalless draw. So he got a clean sheet. There you go. Um, cool. So that's that's our loan news. We'll definitely keep you updated on our Danish prince, Elias Sorensen. That's mandatory mm. and very on brand of us. The other on-brand thing to move to is Real Madrid's Hasselu has, has scored as many goals as Newcastle United this year. Yeah, we should have never let him go. Yeah, he scored uh, against Levante, I think. I don't mm-hmm. have it in front of me, yeah. but uh, yeah. I mean, something about that man in Spain, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's something about that man in general. I mean, he's a glorious specimen. It's just like... A tactician like Rafa was so perplexed by how good of a player Hasselu was that he, even Rafa Benitez, couldn't figure out how to best utilize yeah, him. Yeah, so he sat on the So bench, he had yeah. to go, yeah, he basically had to go to a club where, you know, he'd be brought in and kind of given reign over kind of, and be able to help the manager uh, figure out how to play him to the best of his yeah. ability. And and that's the situation he is now. Maybe if we had kept him, we would have scored he was, he was uh, a couple more goals. After because the match. Steve Bruce... Exactly. He was quoted after the match, and he said, "I I would have scored eight. I could have scored eight if I wanted to." So pretty yeah. impressive feat. I, what a what, that's very impressive. So he he basically he scored eight goals then. Oh well, yeah, I guess. So wow, pretty amazing. I could have won a million dollars yesterday. Yeah, but, but I, I didn't. But Hasselu, I chose not could to. Have, and actually, uh, yeah, he, he um, all right, and the next thing is, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you're welcome, because we reported that Newcastle signed Ludwig Van from France on the youth team. He was the, if you remember, he was the picture of the player that was seen at St. James Park holding up a jersey. Um, that We reported that, like, what, what was that, three weeks ago? And the club yeah, finally announced the, week of the last week of the transfer window. Yeah, they finally announced that he has joined Newcastle. Um, so he's French-born, just as a refresher, French-born player, twenty years old, and uh, he was a trialist. We we told you about it when he was uh, like coming on and appearing for the U23s during preseason. He played against Hibs and Saint Mirren. Um, played at amateur football in France and represents Guadalupe's um, youth team. So shout out to CONCACAF right there. Yes. So that's it. That's the third signing for the youth squad. Um, 
really have anything I'm else really, about that. I'm really glad we, <laughs> we revamped and really invested in in our academy like we said we were going to and brought in a whopping three signings. Yep. Um, yeah, we lost Callum Roberts. We lost Joseph Yarny, Juanito, Otto Jutanen. Um, there's probably more. That, that that guy with the five-star skill moves who was discriminated against Oh, he's him. been gone for over a year now. Though. Yeah, but just saying, we didn't do anything to replace him, so... I guess I was Ivan Tony. I guess his replacement. I don't no, know. Ivan Tony was way before. The, he was not good. Oh, that's true. Guy and Bill and Lonnie. He's not good. He's literally mm-hmm. just a street player, and he sucks at organized Whoa. soccer. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just being honest. Soccer in the streets. Every bro. time he would play, it was like abysmal. He had no shape, no form. Didn't know what a position was. <laughs> it was bad. Oh, sounds like I was a Perez. <laughs> oh, what a segue! Because he oh, sucks. Oh, yeah, I did that. I did that. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, so if you just – actually, you can do it now. Just go to Twitter and just search Iose Perez and then tweet at me at NUFC underscore Greg and say, you're right. <laughs> because – Yeah, you can do I that. I think Lester, Lester supporters have, have realized within two matches what they got for 30 mil. Um and he'll actually. I did see one. Actually, I just found it cool because I favorited it. This one tweet actually kind of sums up Perez in a nutshell. And he said, "Iosie Perez is one of those players who clearly has ability, but is a nothing player. Such a benign presence, bit of a wimp." And I was like, "Yes, exactly. <laughs> he he has ability. He can make things happen, but he's just like nothing. Nothing's there for such long periods of time." Um, I'm just... Yeah, it, it's very interesting. I mean, I'm looking. I just typed in Iose Perez, and the first one was Iose Perez is absolute dog shit. Yeah, <laughs> was the first tweet that came up. Yeah, it's but there's a lot. I mean, of brutal. It, tweets. It's so bad. Yeah. Oh, it's really bad, Lester and it makes us look good so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's really funny, and because it's Lester, and like people enjoy Lester, and like. There's the whole. There's still a little bit of nostalgia from their title winning season. People like the. I guess the national media like they always give Lester the kind of benefit of doubt and kind of cover them. So it'll kind of be interesting to see like how much they'll get on Iose Perez now that it's like in a national spotlight. Like I think Lester fans are going to be taken a little bit more seriously about complaining because they typically don't complain rather than like Newcastle fans who, in the eyes of like many people who are in the national media who don't who are kind of new to following British football. I think sometimes Newcastle fans can get a lot of crap for complaining and seem like we complain all the time. And rightfully so, we do complain a lot, but it's for a reason. And when Newcastle fans complained about Jose Perez, people were like giving us a stink eye and then they acted like he was this this revelation uh, And when he was sold to Leicester. So I'm hoping some of those people can eat their words. Um, I'm not going to name any name, but there's a certain... Uh, journalist at SB Nation who I will not name her but I've had words with her on Twitter about her predicting us to be relegated and I don't know. She's been 0 for 2 on her predictions so far regarding teams that I support so we'll just leave it at that and say the national media is out to get Newcastle United. Wait, she was saying that they are going to be relegated? 
She said they're going to be relegated, and and that and I gave her crap for that. And her rationale was that we lost to Jose Perez, so we're going to get relegated. Which, hey, say we uh, say you know, and, and like and the the whole argument was essentially we didn't back Steve Bruce with the players he wanted, and we lost to Jose Perez and Salman Rondon, so we're going to get relegated. When in reality, I think backing Steve Bruce with the players he wanted would have argued been worse because the players Steve Bruce have wanted, like, per the media, have not been great players. So, I don't know about that. But this person also said that uh, Pitti Martinez was going to be a bust um, and said Joel Linton was going to be a bust and also said Frank DeBoer, um, that, that Atlanta United looked silly for hiring Frank DeBoer back in the beginning when Atlanta United kind of sucked and now they're in first place and Frank DeBoer... He's looking like a tactical genius. Um, so, I don't know. And could possibly win two trials well, before the playoffs start. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was a uh, – yeah, that person's over. I think, I think it's more of Atlanta United are just good and it doesn't matter what style they play. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But anyway, but, uh, we digress. But it was like – it was, yeah. It was Newcastle yeah. United podcast. Let's just start an MLS podcast. <laughs> and Newcastle United are currently in the relegation zone, so she's not wrong. Well, um, it's also two games. I know. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this match now. Um, also, just one more thing before we do get into the match is rest in peace, uh, True Jordy. Um, that was a oh, tough yeah. day for him. <laughs> PR nightmare. Yeah, Look that tough one up. Tough day for him. Um, but we're, oh, we're yeah. going to meet with, we're going to sit down with Chris Woff. We're going to talk about the match. We're going to talk about the athletic and all the good things that come with it. And we're going to do that right after this break. Hello, everybody, and we are here for our Norwich review, which I know everybody's been dying for uh, with mm. that exciting match. We have a special guest with us, as promised. We have Chris Woff from The Athletic. You can follow him at Chris, D-H-W-A-U-G-H. Chris Woff. How are we doing, Chris? Well, I'm a lot better now that I'm back in Newcastle after, after it was a long and very disappointing trip. <laughs> well, yeah. what was the best part of traveling to Norwich? <laughs> Oh, best part of traveling to Norwich. Um, I suppose the weather when I was there, I mean, the travel on the way down was, was a little bit of a nightmare because as all Newcastle fans who are going will have found, there was some real strikes between Peterborough and Norwich. So you either had to go via London or you had to uh, get a couple of, of different car- uh, trains, which were small carriages. So the journey back today wasn't too bad. It was uh, That was a little bit more seamless, but it's, it's just a, a very difficult place to get to from the northeast of England. So. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so, so we'll start off. You had just about as an exciting as off season as Newcastle United did. You mm. you joined the Athletic UK, uh, which is amazing. And if some of our listeners know, we've talked about it probably the last three or four episodes um, about the Athletic. But for people that aren't familiar, could you give us a nice little rundown on on what it what it was like joining the Athletic? What is the Athletic? Yeah, definitely. Well. Um, so basically, it was about early to mid June. I was I was approached um, and asked if if I would be interested in, in joining the Athletic. I was said I was told they were going to be launching in in the UK, and it was sort of all hush hush at the time. And when the, the first approached me, I'd, I'd read a couple of things on the Athletic US sports wise, but I hadn't seen too much of it. So I did a bit of research, went away, came back, spoke to quite a few people, spoke to heard of a few other people who had been offered the opportunity, and really I went down to London and, and met with Ed Malian, who was the sports head of the independent and has now become uh, the UK managing director of the, of the athletic. 
And basically the idea was that they wanted to, to add Premier League and uh, Scottish and Championship football coverage to uh, soccer coverage as it would be over there to, to, to the other sports they already had. And they, they had this big idea for launching in the UK. They wanted 50 to 55 journalists and editors. Really, really big. Put a lot of money into this. Really, really going for it. And, and so there's at least one person covering each Premier League club plus a few of the bigger championship clubs and then Rangers and Celtic in Scotland. Um, and I'm, I was asked to cover Newcastle United for them, so I was delighted uh, to be approached in that regard. And basically, it's just we're sort of doing things a bit different at The Athletic. So the Athletic, for those who don't know, is a subscription-based website. So at the moment, I think it's until the end of August, you can still get 50% off. Uh, there's a there's a link on uh, on my Twitter if you want to go by there. So I think at the moment, it's about 2 99 a month, whereas it's usually about six pounds and basically we're just offering sort of different content hopefully complementing what is already out there but a few more long reads long interviews and analysis uh, we do q and a's during the week and also after games i'm doing like 15 minute q and a's so fans can get their reactions in and basically it's just a different way of approaching um sports journalism and hopefully delivering to fans the content they want and also the, the website once you subscribe is uh, advert free as well so, so that's that's nice and it? it makes it very clean to read yeah, and, and that website's theathletic.co.uk. And also for people that subscribe in the States, like myself, if you already subscribe in the U.S., you can get all of Chris's articles uh, because you've already subscribed and it, and it crosses nice and easily. Um, it does, yes. You have both sides of the Atlantic, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, two for the price of one. And speaking of getting Chris's articles, you can also now get Rafa's articles, which we heard from a source that, Chris, you personally recruited Rafa yourself. Can you <laughs> confirm or deny? No comment, as Newcastle United would say. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's what great. I will say is that, is that um, yeah, it's brilliant to have Rafa Benitez on board. Obviously, his first column, for those who haven't seen it, which came out last Tuesday, was about his time at Newcastle United and his exit. And it was sort of it basically, I think it was partly in response to, to Lee Chong, the managing director's uh, comments in the programme last weekend about Benitez's exit. And Benitez will write going forward, and I'm sure he will mention Newcastle, but he wants, I think he wants to move on from that. And basically he's going to be a, a general pundit. So he's going to be talking about Premier League football, football in general, his time in China. So there should be some really interesting insight over the course of the season from Benitez. That's going to be great. That's going to be great. So let's hop into this match. Uh, Chris, can you just give us kind of your biggest takeaways after seeing Newcastle uh, get pretty much dominated um, by Norwich 3-1 away from home? Just give us your quick reactions. I think more than anything, it was the manner of the second half and it was sort of reflective of the way Newcastle fell away against Arsenal last week, only in a more alarming sense. Norwich played well. But Newcastle sort of weathered the storm for the first 20 minutes and they did fall behind the end of the first half, but Joe Linton had a wonderful opportunity at 0-0 to score. If, if he scores that, then that gives him confidence. It gives Newcastle confidence. Um, and apart from that, they, they struggled for long periods. I'm not sure this system, 3-5-2, is really set up to, to work for them. They had three midfielders in there and yet Norwich only had two and yet you, you wouldn't have noticed that Newcastle had an additional man in there. And, and second half, what was really concerning was just the way that the defence which was obviously so rock solid last season that sort of just got dragged all over the place in the third goal uh, they, they just got completely caught out and, and really I think that, that there needs to be a lot of introspection at Newcastle, there has been they, they were called into training this morning so today's Sunday, the day after the game when they weren't meant to be in and really I think that Well they Steve, had a day off yesterday so it makes sense 
Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I spoke to I spoke to Paul Dummett after the game, and this is going to be on, on the Athletic in the morning as part of the piece I've written. Basically, he was he was just saying it was unacceptable, and I was I was shocked that basically he said, "Look, we didn't." He said, "He said you can be beaten by a better team, but you shouldn't be outrun by anyone." And when you've got one of your players basically believing that that they didn't show enough fight and desire, then I think that is concerning. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think for me, one of the biggest takeaways was, I think for the second week in a row, it kind of looked like um, that the players were just as confused as the fans as to what we we're supposed to be doing in certain situations tactically. And I think that's the most alarming thing, uh, in my opinion. Greg, you have any anything to add on, on that regard? Yeah, like uh, one thing, Chris, and, and for those that are new to Chris and haven't followed him, give him a follow because – I do think you're one of the best tactical reporters that I've seen for Newcastle United. You, you definitely you explain everything very well, and I, I completely agree with everything that you've been saying. So I've been a big proponent of that. And so I think that this lineup could easily be in a four-two-three-one formation, and that be that. Do, do you agree there? I mean, I think that would give a lot more freedom for Jolinton as well. Yeah, I. I, I... My concern at the moment with the formation is that the the front two or really Joe Linton is is completely isolated, and so yeah, I think changing yeah. it whether it's to a four two three one or a three four three even for, from last. I mean, obviously they played so well in that, and it, it, this system to me seems almost as if it's been constructed to in some way accommodate John Joe Shelby. Now I think obviously John Joe Shelby scored yesterday. He hasn't played. He's played reasonably well actually in the first two games in defensive sense, but I just think that that it's almost trying to fit too many midfielders into a system and really Newcastle would be better suited if, if they had Isaac Hayden in a sitting position. I think he's the most informed player at the moment and he's, he's been dragged out of position. The three centre-backs, I think they probably do work best as a three, but maybe more in, in a 3-4-3. Three, three. I, I, I can see the idea of a 4-2-3, but I think Almiron looks a little bit lost in terms of what exactly he's trying to do at the moment when he's when he's just off Joe Linton and he's coming a bit too short. And so I personally just think Bruce has decided on a system for, because he's used 3-5-2 before and to get John Joe Shelby in there, whereas with the players he has, I don't think he's getting the maximum out of, of there. And because the three midfielders in there, that none of them are naturally attacking. So it's not like they're really going forward and supporting the front two. And, and right in Isaac Hayden yesterday was almost pulled out as a, as a right winger at times, which he's just not suited to do. And he did it okay. But I just think that, that Newcastle yep. need to shift the formation. Isaac Hayden probably had the cross in the match from the right wing, <laughs> which is... <laughs> he did, yeah. Would have been a goal. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was... Uh, some of my concerns was like, you saw Hayden play right wing. You saw Shelby play right wing for a bit. And then... Going from the last match to this, one thing I noticed between the front two, Amaron and Jolinton, is that they would be 30-some yards apart at times. And, like, that's on Amaron's game. Amaron needs an attacker close making diagonal runs so he can put that ball in. But Amaron tracks back so much on defense. And that's what we saw in Norwich. They were kind of aligned playing side-by-side. But Amaron would fall back to defend. He would track back so much. And he would leave Jolinton in no man's land again. Uh, so that's yeah. definitely something that needs to be corrected. <laughs> oh, very much. I mean, on match of the day here last night, Alan Shearer made exactly that point where he basically said there's there's gaping holes between Joe Linton and, and Almiron, and Joe Linton may 
I thought he, at times actually yesterday he got, he got bullied a little bit by the, the Norwich defence. But even when he did win it, there was no one to give the ball to. And, and for, for someone like Almiron, what I thought last season, I know he didn't score during the second half last season, but he created so much space for Perez and Rondon. And I just feel now that because they're on, that there's only Joe Linton and, and, and he's, he's, he's more in a central position, Almiron. I don't think he's been given the opportunity to really use his devastating pace to drag people out of positions so other people can profit because the other people aren't, the other forwards aren't there to be able to get into those positions to really profit and score the goals. And that's why, one of the reasons, personally, why I think Newcastle are looking lacklustre in terms of going forward at the moment. All right. So, and this is, this is to please Elijah here. Uh, so Elijah and I, we started this podcast. We both were in Atlanta, Georgia. Now Elijah's still in Atlanta. I'm in Vegas. True. But uh, Elijah's baby boy is Miguel Amaron. So could you give a prediction how many goals and assists Amaron will have this season? I know it's a, we won't hold you to it. <laughs> we won't, especially considering Steve Bruce has figured how to not use Amaron to the best of his ability. So just whatever numbers you want to throw out there, you can. I, th- I think he can get between five to ten of each. I do think he is capable of doing I mean, Newcastle are going to need him to as well because of the, the lack of forwards that have certainly fit at the moment. Almiron's going to he's going to need to get as close to double figures as possible. I certainly think assists-wise, he can get towards that. Goals-wise, he looks to me like a player who desperately needs to score. If he'd scored against Huddersfield on his debut when that uh, chip effort hit the post, I think he would have scored two, three, four before the end of last season. But yeah. now he's just, you can see the desperation in his face. I mean, actually, the, one of the first big pieces I wrote for the Athletic when I came across was I, I, I spoke, I co-wrote it with uh, a journalist called Felipe Can, uh, Cardenas who, right, who covers Atlanta United and we, we spoke to a lot of people about Almiron and, and they were saying that it, 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 there's so much more to come from him but he needs, Malcolm McDonald, the ex-Castle striker, said that he looks like a player who if he scores early this season can really flourish but the longer he goes without scoring it's the same concern I've got I've got about Joe Linton they're not proven Premier League goal scorers and, and really confidence will start to drop until they desperately need a goal and, and, and it, I think when one comes I think more will follow yeah so, so let's let's dive into tactics now um, and this is very cruel of a question but compare and contrast tactics from Steve Bruce to Rafa Benitez <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, I know what you mean by it. it's cruel. I mean, again, for, for the analysis piece I've written for tomorrow, essentially I, I have done this to to a certain degree. And I feel for Steve Bruce in one sense because Jamie Carragher on Sky Sports last week said you can't you can't compare him with Rafa Benitez. You should be compared with the other managers who've come before under uh, Mike Ashley, the likes of Alan Pardew and, and Steve McLaren. And I see where he's come from, but at the same time, Steve Bruce still has the majority of the same players who were there last season, take away Modiami and Rondon and Perez. Defensively, it's the, it's the same three other than Lejeune's out there, but, but Dummett was playing towards the end of last season, was a Rafa Benitez favourite. He's got the same midfield as at his disposal. And you have to be compared to your predecessor. And at the moment, if, if this game had been in, with Rafa Benitez in charge, he went to, they went to uh, Huddersfield the first year that, that Newcastle won the Premier League. Uh, back under Benitez, they lost 1-0, but they didn't play very well, but never looked like getting turned over. They went to Cardiff last year, drew 0-0, another awful game. If Benitez had been in charge, therefore you can't say necessarily they would have won yesterday, but certainly they would not have folded and conceded three goals. Uh, Benitez's side would not give away the second and third goals like Newcastle did yesterday. The first, 
yes, it's 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 not the greatest header away from Jamal Lascelles, but it's a, it's a great finish from Puki. Fair enough, but the, the second goal, the way Newcastle backed off and then let Puki go onto his right foot and get the shot away, and then Dubravka probably didn't cover himself in glory for that one. And then the third one, the way that Newcastle's defence was very high, basically parted, and just did not react when the ball came through. And Rafa Benitez, you you would not get that. And unfortunately, Steve Bruce needs to to find out quickly how he can can get the maximum out of this defensive unit because when they are well drilled, we know what they're capable of doing. But at the moment it seems that there's a, they're almost disparate parts rather than one cohesive unit. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been... The, the shocking thing is, and I know, I know there's injuries and, and things like that, but the bench is one place to start. You know, four defenders, one attacking player. I know when on the attacking side, he, he can't really put much else out there but um, with, with the recent injuries. But, you know, that's, that's a very negative bench to come out, especially when you're down. I mean, you have nobody to come in to really rejuvenate things. So that, that makes it tough from a start. Yeah, and, and, and the strange thing against Arsenal in the first game was that he had that bench where he had four defenders on it. I know that he'd, he'd come out and said afterwards that, that Dummett had been injured and Lascelles ill, so he wanted next extra defender on the bench. Well, fair enough, but you still didn't need four, and he didn't have any midfielders, even though he'd said before the match that Sean Longstaff wasn't going to last the full 90 minutes. He didn't think he was fit enough to do so. So there's been a few strange decisions in that regard. I think he got those wrong, the villain situation when he came on, and now he's changed his story and said that he, he meant to play him in certain midfield, but then thought it was unfair, so shifted him to left wing back all of that 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 didn't sound good because it's a sort of thing that under Benitez simply that wouldn't happen Rafa Benitez would not send a player on without a clear idea of that the player knew where they were going to play and that Benitez knew that that's where he wanted them to play rather than to shift them 60 seconds later so unfortunately for Bruce this this is he is going to be compared to Benitez because the club have come out and said that, that we want to keep Rafa Benitez but we've brought in someone who we think is a very very good manager and can take us forward he's going to be compared to his predecessor and at the moment in the first two games uh, he doesn't compare favourably in any way shape or form I'm not uh, I wouldn't be someone who was in the camp of in the question and answer I did after the game yesterday there was a lot of questions about also when how quickly will I sack Bruce and I, I, I don't think that you can make snap judgments like that after two games the first two games are, are, are concerning make no mistake about it but He's, he's only been in charge for a month. He wasn't given a full pre-season. I also think he hasn't been given a wonderful squad in terms of he hasn't got proven Premier League goal scorers in it. I know he's come out and said, um, I couldn't have asked for any more from the board. And I thought that was a mistake because actually, if you look at the, as you say about the attacking options, he's got Andy Carroll, who is four to six weeks away, if that. You have uh, Muto, who hasn't, who's only scored one Premier League goal. Joe Linton comes in with a lot of potential, but hasn't scored in the Premier League before. Miguel Almiron hasn't scored yet in the Premier League. Christian Atsu's injured, hasn't got a proven track record of scoring regularly in the Premier League. Dwight Gale is injured, again, is considered more of a championship marksman than a Premier League goal scorer. Their midfielders between them scored two goals last season. It's it's a squad which is devoid. Of, of real attacking uh, impetus and that is my concern going forward is that I do, I, as, as much as Bruce has made some mistakes so far I also think the raw materials he's been given in an attacking sense uh, leave a lot to be desired hmm. Well, we'll move on to a little bit of a lighter note um, So Chris, I know that um, I'm, I'm sure you're going to write some amazing stuff for The Athletic uh, this week and it could happen potentially um, this week but I'm just wondering, when do you think you're going to get a tweet 
from Alex Bruce directed your your way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's coming at some point. <laughs> it, 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 it seems it seems inevitable if, if last week was to go by. And I, I mean, you know, on a human level, you, you can understand why why someone's son would would jump in and, and try and defend their dad. And of course, um, it's it, it's a different. I mean, with social media now, these things are also getting blown out of proportion. So obviously, Alex Bruce is everyone knows Alex Bruce is a fairly uh, he's done punditry and things across here. He was obviously a player in the the Premier League and the, in the lower leagues and. He sees that there's been some personal attacks on his on his father. I don't necessarily agree with that in some quarters. I think that some coverage has been harsher than others or uh, more critical than others. But unfortunately, that that was always that that was the reality of the situation. Steve Bruce was always going to find himself, and he was he knew from the start, or he should have known from the start, that there was a fair bit of opposition to him coming in. Not just the fact that he was coming in, but the fact that Benitez had gone. And I think whoever replaced Rafa Benitez was going to to have a, a huge job on their hands in terms of getting public opinion on side. But certainly when it's a manager who has come from a championship club and for the majority of his career has either been in the, the bottom half of the Premier League or top half of the championship, it just doesn't, in terms of CV-wise, he just unfortunately does not compare to Rafa Benitez's his, his glitter and CV. And again, it, it's to a, to a large extent, you feel that that's unfair to compare one to the other, but the fact is he's replaced Rafa Benitez, and and so those comparisons naturally have to be made. Mm. All right, Greg, it's all you. You got one more question? Uh, well, it's our it's our last question. Um, so we ask we ask every guest that we have. Um, we ask one question to to end it. So the question is: If you could go back in time to watch any Newcastle match live. You're going there live. You're not working. You're just there as a supporter. What match would it be and why? Oh, what a question. Um, I think that the match would be... Uh, I think I would go for the Barcelona uh, victory. Tino yeah. Asprey's hat-trick. Uh, I, I mean, I'll just just charisma, charismatic character in, in, in Tino Asprey. And I mean, obviously, in, in, in terms of points in Newcastle United's history there's never been an, another period where really that that's that's them on on such a European and global level uh, uh, that they've, they've got they've come to the fore and they've downed one of the the great European clubs and obviously it was a it was a night where St James's Park was was absolutely electric by all accounts and when you watch the videos you can just you can hear the noise coming through and the, and the Tino's headers and the, the Gillespie's crosses and just you look at that Barcelona team as well. There were some fantastic names playing that day, and, and for Newcastle United to have not only qualified for the Champions League, but then beaten one of the great European sides, um, I think that if I could have been there that night, under I know it was post Keegan, but still with a lot of that team together, I think that that would be the one that I'd pick to to have been in the crowd for that night. And Warren Barton's hair. I mean, uh, well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to go, love to go and ruffle that hair at that point. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, Chris, uh, thank you so much for for coming on. It was a pleasure. Nice talking tactics with you as well. Like I said, everybody, go on the Athletic, uh, subscribe. It's so worth it. Trust me, you will you will love this decision. It's one of the best decisions I made. Um, but go follow Chris on Twitter as well at Chris D H W A U G H. Chris Woff, thank you so much for joining CHN Radio, and we'll hopefully have you on again sometime soon. Absolute pleasure, anytime. All right, thanks.
All right, so that was our talk with Chris Wolf. Pretty cool stuff there. A lot of tactical insight and a, more of a lot of what's not happening or what's wrong. And speaking of what's wrong, we have three words. <laughs> um, you guys came through in the clutch once again. Uh, Elijah, do you have any favorites for three words? There's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, we had eight. We yeah. had eighteen of them. Yeah, so I, I can I can start going through. Uh, we had some. <laughs> my high Jordy at my high Jordy said, "What's the point?" Two Army Houston at what? Two Army Houston at football seventy nine. Um, that was shite. Uh, Will Watson had a few. Uh, poor championship manager. Uninspiring, feeble, relegated, Gruden for coach. You put John in parentheses. Um, That's hilarious. Actually. <laughs> uh, rather watch EastEnders. That's good. Tune Army Portland. Hey bartender, another. Yes. Uh, Brian F. I am BWF. It's twenty sixteen. Seventeen again. He wrote twenty seven, but I know we know what he means. Trevor Mooney at Trevor Mooney Troll said, Brucey's still shite. <laughs> um, Don at Smith Ultra, absolute utter garbage. So true. Yeah. At Philhood77, got no passion. At US underscore tune, up next relegation. Oh, wow. Sunny V at Sunny V. I miss Rafa. <laughs> hmm. At CU Buffs Girl 2009. I can't even. Is that Jackie Jack. or is that Jacques? That's Jackie. Okay. Okay. Uh, is that the Jackie, Jackie you know? We've met Oh, yes. Okay. Live. I just wanted to make... I, went, I thought that's who it was, but I was really hoping that it was someone named Jacques with CU Buffs Girl, <laughs> but it made way more sense for it to be Jackie, yeah. but I was really hoping it was Jacques. Shout out to Jackie. Yeah. Frank She's cool. at 617 via 904. This is just, Kill me now. That's not how Twitter names work. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite one. The next um, one. West Country Tune Man. Yeah, this is a good is one. at Tune underscore West. Said useless, clueless, Bruceless. Oh, that could that be the title of this pod? I mean, it could be. Yeah. We'd have to also. I guess we could be useless, clueless, Bruceless, featuring Chris Wall. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then at Allrick underscore G. Clueless deterioration inadequacy. That was. I think they those people took the three words to heart and they just I like love it. took. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting take. I haven't seen that before, but you know what? I'm I'm for yeah. it. I'm for it. Yeah, we can do it. That was a good one. Um, do you yeah. have before we get into like quotes, all that stuff? Is there any any other thing that hasn't that we haven't said about the match that you want to get in? Um, I mean, we said a lot on the during the Chris Woff stuff. I think Chris subbed things up tactically. That I, I my biggest frustration was the tactics, and I think we hit we hit we hit the nail on the head with that. Talking with, through Chris with that, just I just really hope Steve Bruce um, considers changing his formation because whatever he's doing now doesn't work, and it's just one of those things where um, if he keeps trying to force it to work. It's it's not gonna work. I mean, and we I know we kid about like Atlanta United, but like that's essentially what Frank DeBoer did. He he came in with his own formation and it didn't work, and so he literally 
changed the formation to better suit the team and went back to a similar type system that Lane United ran when they were good. And so it's like at some point you have to look yourself in the mirror, swallow your pride, and be able to alter from like what your preferred and deviated formation is and like improve as a manager and get the best out of the players you have. It's not it's not FIFA where you can just buy players for your system. It is real life. He he really messed up Steve Bruce when he said like I've gotten everything I could ask for from the board. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. now, all right, now show us that that was the case. Like, he, that was a big mistake on his part. He shouldn't have said Also, that. like Chris said, he just definitely didn't, he definitely, like, needed more depth. And he should have tried to push for more depth and didn't get that. Yeah. So, but yeah. Oh, man. Anyway. Um, yeah, it was ugly. Uh, congrats, Shelby, for scoring the first goal of the season for Newcastle. Um, and that's pretty much it. So we'll get into quotes now. Is this the second time? And uh, I don't know. I feel like Shelby scored the first goal a couple years back, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who scored against Spurs last year. I don't think it was Shelby. <laughs> I want to say it's Kieran yeah. Clark, but <laughs> it might have been. Um, okay, so Steve Bruce blathered, blathered on. He said. Uh, it was difficult and hugely disappointing, the manner of it, with and without the ball. We certainly didn't do enough, and we have to improve. I can't question the desire. Nobody was trying. Maybe we caught up. We got caught up in Norwich's first home game. We just didn't do enough. It's quite simple. We didn't do enough with and without the ball, and then it's always going to be a difficult afternoon, and it certainly was. And I've got to be ready for the flack, which will come my way. And to be perfectly honest, sometimes you deserve a bit of stick i've got no problem with that because today we weren't good enough the way we started the second half was arguably the best we've been in the game we considered conceded twice in a couple of minutes and it knocked the stuffing out of us <laughs> um on jolinton he said jolinton got a knock in the hip region we won't know until the week when we get the x-rays and scans but let's hope he's going to be okay and to report on that they did come back negative for all those wondering um. So some stats. Do you do you have any other quotes that you picked up? Um. I mean, it's not really a quote, but I, we did allude to it in the Chris Waugh segment. Waff. Waff. We had a whole discussion before that how to say his name. <laughs> We've so been pronouncing I it wrong. Can't sure. mess. <laughs> yeah, we were just butchering the heck out of that. And Mirza's Mirza's Mirza's. Oh, Mirza, yeah, that's We've been right. butchering his name too. But anyway, um, Chris. Uh, he he. We joked about it, but. Steve Bruce, shout out to him. There was no day off besides the actual match day uh, that Greg said. No days off for Newcastle because they were in training yesterday. I don't really know what they were doing, but they were training. So good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Whip him in the shape, Brucey. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so Emil Croft, he became the 235th player to appear for Newcastle in a Premier League. And only the second Swede. Trivia, if you get this, I'm going to be super impressed. Who was the only other Swede to start for Newcastle United in the Premier League? Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> uh, nope. Dude, we should just buy Zlatan. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, at this point, if Jolinton gets injured, just get Zlatan. Are you stalling? I'm not stalling. <laughs> I'm, I, I literally just You're, thought you of that. You wouldn't get it. 
I mean, I'm not. No, I'm not. I, I, no, I'm just saying in general. Like, it's just something I thought of just now. Get Zlatan, sell some tickets, and I don't know. That's better than just Andy Carroll and Yoshinori Muto, in my opinion. Yeah, just throwing that out there. So the other Swede that was that had appeared for Newcastle United. It's a, it's a little while ago, but it was. In 1997, 98. I wasn't even born. 97, yet. 98. Okay. Um, it okay. was Andreas Anderson. He. I was one month old. He played actually in the FA Cup final for Newcastle. Um, well, then I guess I was one year old. They were. It was a very unsuccessful spell for. Well, actually, not even a year old. But it was yeah, very bad. I mean, I uh, he so. went back to Sweden after he played for Newcastle. Okay. Um, Why do you know this? Just all you have to do is a little research, um, and then <laughs> we have now failed to win either of our first two matches in any of the last eight seasons. It happens. <laughs> eight straight years we haven't won our first two. That's that's crazy. Um, yeah, that is actually an insane yeah. stat. The last Newcastle manager to win their first con- uh, competitive away game in charge. Do you? have any idea my hand uh, steve mcclaren is he still uh he's not managing but he's still very much around chris hewton no uh that's a good pardew. guess though no thank good you. with pardew but still no actually it's funny because pardew won his first match but it was home against liverpool of all of all teams yeah, and then all but teams. he didn't win his first away match fat sam yes sam allardyce those are my three guesses. <laughs> I, like, if, if it wasn't Fat Sam, I don't know what I would have said. Yeah, um, he won away at Bolton back in two thousand seven. <laughs> oh, whoa! Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, just I mean, I don't want to talk about Bolton. For That's our really first sad. Premier League away match of the season. The last time we won was Ryan Taylor's over the wall in two thousand eleven against Sunderland. Oh, happy birthday, Ryan and, Taylor! Uh, Lee just did a happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats, bud. Another year, Ryan. Let's get Ryan on. Yeah, the I don't really, That'd be awesome. I don't really know how old I'm gonna he is. I'm going to hit Ryan up. Hey, We're getting him on this Yeah, thing. go ahead. I wonder, do you think he's, what, 40, maybe? 41? Um, Probably. That's, I would, yeah. I don't think that's wrong. <laughs> you don't, you don't think it's right either, though. I, well, I don't know if it is. It, it makes sense. Oh, he's, he, okay, well, he's 35. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're five or six years off. That's not bad. Colacini is older than him, and Colacini's still playing. Yeah, Colacini is also never going to die. So that's uh, true. First unit uh, Arsenal should sign Colacini. Yeah. <laughs> that would be something. Yeah, that would be something. Um, so the five five thirty eight going back there. That is statistics site. They break down everything for how they think the leagues are going to pan out, and it's actually cool because you can actually check like, pretty much every league. Imaginable. Um, I'm I frequent this site just so everyone knows. But for the Premier, uh, all right. For the Premier League, um, we're wait. We got some breaking news, Greg. Breaking news this is happening just Whoa. now. Breaking news. I can confirm with great confidence that Greg is a nerd. Oh. That was a letdown. <laughs> um, that was funny. So because you did the whole five thirty eight thing. That was funny. Five thirty eight projects that we're not going to get relegated yet. <laughs> I, I can imagine that's going to stay there for too long. 
But they actually still have Norwich in the bottom three. They have Aston Villa finishing last, Sheffield finishing 19th with 38 points, Aston Villa last at 37, Norwich in 18th with 40, and then Watford, Brighton, then Newcastle at 41. They think Norwich, Watford, Brighton, Newcastle are all going to be one point from each other. As of right now, that's their projections. That does sound like the bottom five, though, because Watford do not look no, good. No, no, um, they don't. And Brighton still, I mean, Brighton are, like, hanging on by a thread and just, like, they, I mean, at some point, it's just it's just inevitable that they're going to go down at some point. Um, but uh, this is an interesting question because I, I I've noticed something about, like, Aston Villa um, and, to a degree, Sheffield. Do you think that, um, would you rather be in a situation like Newcastle where, the talent is there, but the system and the and kind of the tactically how the players look isn't there yet. Or would you rather be in a situation like Sheffield Wednesday or Aston Villa, where it's like they look like you have a clear idea of like what they're trying to do tactically, but their players aren't good enough. Well, Sheffield's looking like they're good. They have four points. Well, okay, through fair. two games, but so. I'm, I'm I'm not convinced by Sheffield's players. Yeah, I mean, but they're this, they're but playing still. out of their minds right now. That's for sure. It's true. Um, but, okay, let's say Aston Villa then. Yeah, I mean, I just don't want to get relegated. That's all I really care about. So whatever well, of the options was... doesn't get to that. <laughs> well, but this shows you, was... 538 also shows you um, who they think is the strongest squads. And it's pretty interesting because they are – the only reason why I think we're not in the bottom three right now in their minds is because they have us as the 13th best squad in the Prem just by players on paper. And they were pretty much directly even with Southampton and Burnley. They're the two ahead of us. So, like, ideally, like, essentially 11th because <laughs> we're pretty much tied with Burnley and Southampton. Like, the 11th yeah. strongest side in the Prem. Um, and that's that's part of the reason why they don't have us in the bottom three is we, we have way better players than all the three newly promoted teams. The teams that are below us uh, is Burnmouth, West Ham, Watford, Brighton, Norwich, Aston Villa, and Sheffield. In that order, so. I could see Burnmouth. I, that's an interesting one We're because I do Burnmouth, think Burnmouth. So. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, Burnmouth is like they have a solid squad, but I feel like they're not that deep. But anyway, yeah. um, it's pretty interesting yeah. to look at to see those models. But yeah, so we're still still good in five thirty eight eyes. That we're gonna just squeak through without getting relegated. Um, so good for us. All right, going to. Who is your worst player for Newcastle United, Elijah? Okay, so this one is, I mean, and I think I'm going to get some crap on the Twitters from people because they're going to say I'm biased, but hear me out um, as I say who I think the worst player was. I'm going to go Emil Kraft for this reason. I thought Emil Kraft was going to be at least as good or better than DeAndre Yedlin and Javier Manquillo in terms of he was going to be a guy who would actually challenge and put, put, possibly overtake that starting right-back role. And Steve Bruce thought he was clearly, clearly thought he was he was, uh, he was was good enough to, to start over Javier Manquillo, who had a really solid outing last time and, it had, and, and to his credit, has had a very good preseason. Um, and so Bruce was like, all right, Kraft can start. He's been around enough to he's been here two weeks he knows the system um and so him starting over Mankio kind of put my expectations up a little bit higher because Mankio has done really nothing to lose the starting spot 
and he just really wasn't good, like, in any regard whatsoever. I mean, he had the missed chance, obviously, but he also was directly responsible for one of our goals, just getting absolutely completely dribbled past. Um, and so it seems like, on surface level, obviously, first appearance is never what you really want. Um, we all remember Javier Manquillo's first appearance wasn't great, but first appearance, just not a great first impression, um, in my opinion. So that's my worst player, because I just think he had the worst possible match you could have. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to definitely come after another new signing. And that is Dolan is my worst player. Oh, um, okay. You know, I get the fact that he's young, but if you're going to start in the premier league, there's expectations and that wasn't good enough. That was terrible performance by him. Uh, he consistently left the space wide open. Once again, he missed an absolute sitter. And and people do that, but you know you're a forty million dollar player. You gotta you gotta hit those. There's no excuse. Um, he had another shot that was like not even close to challenging. He had a spiteful yellow card that he picked up for no reason. Um, he was just all over the place, and he never looked good. The only time he, he had one good moment, and he missed the opportunity. Uh, and that's just not good enough if you're going to be a striker against the newly promoted side. You have to be able to take on those center backs, especially. When I don't know how much the center backs cost, but I'm pretty sure the four of them probably cost less than him. Oh, and, especially Grant Hanley. Who, yeah, I, don't, I think they got him on a free. Yeah, so it's like it, that's a bad performance, and that's unacceptable for a 40 mil striker. Um, I'll say this harsh about words for him, I, but I, I, I stand by it. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this about Jewel and Tune. I think oh, the criticism for um, his uh, his. Um, <laughs> His terrible finishing and obviously his recklessness on the yellow is warranted. But tactically, I still think like there has to be just. It seems like as a whole, no one in Steve Bruce's system knows what they're supposed to be doing. And so I think like I, I see like I see why Joel Linton doesn't look good in certain spaces as a striker, especially when he comes from like one of the young. He came from a team in which there was one of the best young minds and that tactically out there in Germany with Nagelsmann where he knew exactly what he needed to do and there was a very structured kind of similar to Rafa where it's like you know what to do in every situation. So I don't think he's ever been in the situation where like he has to just like figure things out himself, which is kind of what Bruce is telling his players is like they line up a certain way and he's just like figure it out, uh, figure out how to score. And uh, I, I so I have I give Jolinton the benefit of the doubt in that sole area of like just not being utilized to the best of his ability tactically and not being given clear instructions on like what he's supposed to be doing. Because I, I genuinely cannot tell whether Steve Bruce wants him to set up as a target man, whether he wants him to get runs in behind, whether he wants him to hold up play. Like I, I can't tell. Um, and at least like with any other manager, I'm kind of able to tell what they want their striker to do um, in the formation. And I, I just I genuinely have no idea. And I couldn't tell you during the preseason, even when we looked good, I still didn't know what Joel Linton was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to get better. Um, my best player is John Joe. Um, okay. He, he definitely sat back. He controlled when we had possession. He didn't make any mistakes, and he scored. There wasn't a lot of players that did well. I, I, in my opinion, um, there's only two. Um, so that's it. Uh, Isaac Hayden. Yeah, that was my I mean, other. <laughs> I mean, like, he's he played every... He and John Joe both played the Boston midfield um, 
in well not Boston midfield because we still lost the midfield. We our midfield didn't look great, but they looked good individually. But they looked good individually, um, and the midfield didn't look great because the way they were being used in the midfield was just incorrect. So it's not their fault that the midfield as a whole. Um, I wouldn't put all the blame on them uh, because they both individually had good performances. I still that's one on Bruce where it's like you have good midfielders use them um and so uh use them well and don't play isaac hayden out wide and don't somehow john joe shelby ended about wide at some point so i don't know um isaac hayden just killing it um despite not really being want to be wanting to be here wanting to be here going into the season um but yeah just still insane that we've kept kept him and held on to him yeah yeah it's 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 pretty like Isaac Hayden deserves like a, a hero's welcome every time someone sees him. It's pretty impressive what he's been able to to do. I mean, uh, there's uh, there's no words for it. Like you don't see this in sports. Like what the loyalty that he's exhibited. Uh, you know the de- desire to move is there, but he does whatever it takes for this team and puts in performances like this. It's honestly it's it's very impressive and it's rare to see. Especially in like this entitlement, like pre Madonna age of sports, you just don't see it. So, I I have so much respect for him. Yeah, yeah. especially in this day and age where a lot of sports players can kind of when they're done with the club, they can just force their way out. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, what I mean. In like, any sport, yeah, yeah, it's like maybe you could go if you obviously if you come back far enough when back in the day where players in all leagues didn't have that much control yeah sure players played well where they didn't want to play but yeah like you said it's rare to find a guy like that this today yeah so good good for him all right let's move to your questions to close out here um there's a few of them uh we'll start with mile high jordy uh he says will bruce ever manage again after this dumpster fire Uh, and i'm assuming he means like after his appointment with newcastle has concluded not this match um and i i don't think so i i think that this is his last like if it if it somehow hits and it works i think he'll retire and if it doesn't i don't think anybody's gonna pick him up at this point i mean yeah you can say that but i still think that someone will pick him up some desperate championship team because he's got such a good record in the championship um so I still think because I mean you look at how he how things ended with him at Aston Villa like he went six months unemployed completely failed with a very solid squad and Sheffield Wednesday were like hey we want to get promoted and they picked him up so I, I think there's still a possibility that if he gets fired early enough that like some championship team will come calling um, but you know I'm not gonna put money on that yeah um, and then. Mile High Jordy's second question was, who do we have to buy for some of these VAR calls? It's our only hope. Um, I don't know if you remember that Mike Ashley's our owner, so we're not buying anybody anything. <laughs> we can offer them Even though he did, to be fair, Sports he like, spent something so, on yeah. the last two windows. So. Sports Direct discount yeah. to all the refs. <laughs> Give them new cleats. Yeah, new cleats for for the video review referees, not the ones on the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the the ones on the field. We we can't we can't afford to buy them. Yeah, because it's just well. wear and tear. It's too much. Too much to keep up with. Yeah, we give them one <laughs> pair of cleats for the VAR ref to wear in the cleat in, in the VAR room. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that yeah. So there we go. 
Uh, yeah. Um, Will Watson at Batman's Milkman says, mm. will the fans be a scapegoat for poor performances and any bad vibes around the club before the in- inevitable removal of Bruce as head cock? Sorry, I mean coach. Yes. And, I mean, the, the fans have been the scapegoat for anything negative regarding Newcastle for the past three or four seasons. It always goes back. It never goes to Mike Ashley unless it's like, uh, unless it's Alan Pardew or, uh, sorry, not Alan Pardew, Alan Shearer or, I mean, even Pardew at some points have said Mike Ashley isn't great. There are certain pundits that will put the blame on Mike Ashley, but still the narrative that the fans need to be supportive of the team and need to be thankful for the owner and all that crap, that's still going to be pushed regardless of Newcastle situation, um, and you, especially if it's a negative one. Yeah, and you know why? It's because we were like a pretty aggressive Twitter fan base. Um, oh, like yeah. as soon It's like aggressive instant is not popularity. If you say something negative about the club, you have thousands of Toon Army supporters in your DMs and like commenting on all your posts and telling you how much you stink. But to be honest, the that talk just, sport business that model. just helps. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, we're going to continue that. That's going to be a trend that doesn't end. Yeah, talk sport. They figured out the formula, and they now probably. I think their their brand value has gone up since insulting Newcastle fans every other week. Yeah, yeah. Um, Next one is from Zach Pensack at Z Pensack Official. How early Mm, will be? Shout out Colorado. Yeah. Uh, how early will we re- be relegated? March, December, Thanksgiving? We won't be relegated. So I think if it happens, it will be March. And okay, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> it feels like Thanksgiving, though, Zach. I I don't blame you for saying that. After two matches, I've never felt so like downtrodden. Um, I like. Even even at this point last year, like we knew we would be fine. Like even during we didn't win a game in ten, and the whole time we were recording our podcast, Elijah, we were like, "It's going to be fine because we got this." Yeah, there's no cause like, for concern. That was so yeah, funny. We got this. Like, like we're going to be fine. Like, like the whole time we just didn't. We knew we were going to be okay, but like this time you definitely don't feel like it. it feels dark. <laughs> it's it's I, dark. I, out I there. still and, and and like I said, I still hold to this truth. I I don't have full faith in Steve Bruce as a, as a tactician, but I will still give him his five matches because I said I would the whole summer Yeah, that's uh, fair. before I, I seek judgment and say whether or not we're going to get relegated. So, so I'm still in the boat that we'll get relegated. I'm anticipating that if you're a Premier League level manager that you are going to change your tactics when they don't work. Yeah, we'll see. But that's a bold assumption of me Yeah, considering the manager we have. Uh, Bucky, at Bucky is my name. Good handle. Well, um, that's a great two. That's how you do Twitter. One is their hope. <laughs> yes. In general, yes. I don't know if it's is their hope for Newcastle, then probably not. But in general, <laughs> in yeah, general, there's, hope there's hope. A... We could, Okay, two. Yeah, we might live for the next few two, years. Two, will it get better? This is essentially the same yeah. question twice. Uh, sure. Life can always get better. <laughs> I had a good day today. I mean... Well, kind of. I think I, to I answer a, your question, Bucky, in better. a Newcastle sense, I will say that the way we know one way it will definitely get better, and I think there's a very large percentage that it will be better, and that's if Mike Ashley sells. Now, I've always said the grass isn't always greener because we thought things would be better when Mike Ashley bought the club, but here we are. So 
assuming he sells to the right person, yes, there's hope that things will definitely get better. Until then, not so sure. Mike Ashley is going to sell to Dennis Wise, and we'll be in a predicament. Bucky from Texas. I, I don't. Are you in Dallas? You assume we got some Toon Army groups over there. If you're not, oh yeah, up let with us them. know. Bucky, tweet at us. Yeah, tweet at us, Bucky. Let us know where you are. Um, Wait, is that two Buckies? What? Is there two Buckies? No, no, no. This Was is the other guy. The same Bucky. He has two questions. Oh, from Texas. Oh, okay. Um, Joe Avery at Joe Avery underscore. How long is Brucey's leash? How many weeks of the same performance that we saw against Norwich before they fire him? This is a good question. That's a very good because question. Because if you if we see the performance that we saw against Arsenal, I bet you the leash is way longer. But if we're getting pummeled by everyone, <laughs> then obviously the leash is a lot shorter. So let's assume let's let's do a hypothetical Elijah and I'll ask I'll re ask it to you. If, assuming we get blown out every match by at least two goals or two goals or more every match and never look like even competing. How long until old Brucey gets canned? Mid January. No way. No way. Dude, if we get Newcastle Newcastle are the most backwards run club <laughs> in, in in the world. Let's just start yeah. there. And then and then you have to consider Mike Ashley's pride will not allow him to admit defeat early on. Yeah, I'm so you take those two things into consideration, and I just I'm just like mid January, and it's gonna be some other crappy manager, and that's like if that happens, then it's like that would be you yeah, realize that's like twenty four matches of losing by two goals or more in every single one of them. Yeah, and <laughs> and I'm telling you, Mike Ashley, like I, I don't know, I have no faith in him. I mean, look at McLaren and that it's whole 10. thing. It, Everyone always says, 10. yeah. I, I, everyone always says McLaren overstayed his welcome or whatever, and Mike Ashley just didn't fire him. It, like it was very clear that he wasn't going to be a good manager, and he wasn't fired quick enough. And like Mike Ashley s- seemed to have no issue with that whatsoever. <laughs> and so like I'm 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 just like I don't see anything Mike Ashley has done in the past five years or whatever that's gonna make me believe anything different that his pride's not gonna allow him to let a manager he appointed and was so proud to appoint overstay his welcome and that like he's he's even going to be competent enough to be able to find another manager um that will be give newcastle even a fighting chance within ample time like i I, there's just no way mike ashley's able to do that so that's why i say january um last question from the official questionnaire of chn radio Trevor Mooney at Trevor Mooney 12. Would you rather watch this match every day for a year or spend a week in prison? Oh, no. Watch this match every day for a year. That's easy. No, you're going, to, I'm going to jail, bro. No, send no, me to, no. Send okay. me to prison. Okay, uh, Greg, I don't know if you know anything about prison, but they do things there to people for that I don't want to happen to me. Imagine, imagine for, that. Yes, let me, dude. Let me put a hypothetical in. in all right. Imagine every day you wake up and you know you have to watch 90 minutes of this awful, an awful match. You know everything that's going to happen, but you have to watch everyone. So you wake up, it's like, man, should I watch it in the morning today or should I do it when I get home? And then you wait till you get home and you're like really tired, but you have to watch like every day, no matter what. Um, and like that just, it would just overtake your life. And it's such an awful game and you have to watch it 365 times or. Just spend seven days and just like you don't even have to eat. 
Like you can just it's just seven Fe- days. Fear for your life for no, seven I'm days. Stay yeah. in the in the cell. Like just chill. Be like, hey, I'm just trying to get out. Be out in a week. I think that have you been to a prison, Greg? Yeah. I've been to multiple prisons and I didn't enjoy spending an hour there. So oh yeah, you know, I, they I, I would they would love me. I, would they like? Would they love you in a sexual way, or would they love <laughs> not you as in a, a true Jordy way? But they would love me in oh, <laughs> in, as like basically, I'd be running the show within about four hours. Okay, see, this is yeah, you're gonna get stabbed. No, yeah, that's, no I would. I literally you, you my, can go to prison. I wouldn't leave my if, room. And now, if we're talking like Swedish prison, like ASAP Rocky type I mean, situation, that would be ideal, then, but let's oh, just, oh, a hundred. Yeah. I would stay there for a week. Now that's just a vacation. I mean, they're not putting me in a max security prison for a one week sentence. So it's like I, I'm, I'm good. Like we're fine. Like I'll just tough it out for a week, and I'll just forget about that game. Yeah, I guess. And I'll miss. I guess the, the question too, would be which is probably good. <laughs> yeah, uh, the question does change, like whether or not that the, if it's a minimum facility prison where it's just like that's just where like rich people go and like people who are doing super short sentences, then yeah, I'd take the week in prison because that's not a real prison. Um, but if it was like a if, it, if a, it's max, like, I'm still Fulton it. County Jail, then I'm definitely not staying. I'm definitely if it, even if it's max security, I'm taking. Because then oh, you're God. 23 hours a day in a cell by yourself. So I'm like, uh, fine. Well, I said if it's Fulton County Jail, which is not maximum. They're like in between. And that's just holding Oh, area. I'd go there too. This is not really a prison. Yeah. I, I you could not anywhere, do really. That. Besides like South America, I'm not going to any of those. All right. If this... Or <laughs> fine. Jeez. If we get to 10,000 followers on Twitter, we should we should just go to prison for a week. <laughs> you right. should go to prison for a week. You just do. Yeah, that. I don't know if they're gonna. I mean, I you talk all this game, and I'm just like, there's just no way Greg can survive in prison for a week. Watch. It. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I mean, being a, a being a wise, funny guy can get you so far, I, or I, could piss off someone, no, and you could just get your ass. I'm literally beat, not dude. leaving my cell, and I just, just wait it out. You can't say that, and then also say, but they would love me there. Well, they like, would, but they never don't see leave outside of me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. That's uh, it's, it's the easy that's answer. I wouldn't torture perfect. myself for this match for an entire year and have it dictate my life. Like, oh, I'm about to go out with my friends and be like, damn, I forgot to watch that match. All right, see y'all in 90. <laughs> Dude, I don't care. I'd rather do that 100% of the time. Oh, yeah. Just get absolutely wasted while watching that match. There was no, it's, there was no, like, that's the other thing is that this, because Trevor's questions are kind of open ended, you can take that and interpret it as you may. And so, like, my interpretation is, like, I'll just use that 90 minutes to also get some work done, like, I'll, or I'll just get drunk during that time. Like, there's just, like, there's plenty of ways you can no, have I the match on and still enjoy yourself. Or you go to jail for the rest of your life. Or you take a just a week sentence. We always do this. We always interpret Trevor's questions differently. Well, that's, always that's how. For interesting <laughs> yeah, that's how I guess he leaves it for us. That's yeah. why he's the official questionnaire. Mm. Uh, all right, you got anything else, Elijah? Yeah, I was serious, and Greg did not take me serious. Newcastle, consider it if you're listening, Mike Ashley. Zlatan ticket sales, and he's he's going to be something, and he still scores goals. That's my that's my pitch for Zlatan. It's really convincing. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure. Once oh Mike wait, Ashley no. Watches or listens to this, he'll have to look him up and see if anything that he's done. He probably hasn't heard of the guy. 
It's true. I do have one more thing. If you haven't been checking out what we've been putting up on the .com, check it out. Graham wrote a pretty good um, opinion piece on the beginning of the season. Uh, Mer- Mirza Uzman Beg. I hope we said that right. I think we did. Yeah. Or I think I did. He's written just a couple really good articles. Brian wrote an opinion piece, which in classic Brian format, he put an opinion piece and it scheduled the like it was it came out right before the match on Saturday and it said Newcastle will be safe in spite of Steve Bruce and we literally go on to lose three one in Norwich. Yeah. It's just you can't make this up. Brian Nelson, ladies and gentlemen, officially some of the worst takes. On, in coming home Newcastle, uh, so that's that's funny. And then uh, Mirza, Mirza also wrote a a really good piece in response to a certain uh, person, Luke Edwards, who I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, who uh, who said some stuff and wrote a piece. And Mirza Mirza wrote a really good response to um, um, Luke's comments on Steve Bruce and the fans. Yeah. All right. Well. Ladies and gents, that concludes episode 76 of Coming Home Newcastle Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. That is the best damn co-host in the land. And listening for the song behind you right now is a beautiful rendition of Coming Home Newcastle. We bid you farewell and away the last. It's like sitting inside a fridge. Away. But I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge, I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again, I'll pray for the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wing. I've walked the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne. I'm coming home. Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again Brave the dog at St. James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wing. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll wait for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. 